Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you're here today. So, uh, you probably already noticed this, but I have brought a couple of uh, really beautiful items here today. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't able to drive here today, uh, but I have a couple of items. So, uh, we have, uh, does anybody know what this is? Yeah, it's a car battery, very simply. Um, and uh, what about this? Anybody know what this is? A little harder. I'm guessing a lot of you will know. What is this? What is it? It's an alternator. Nice job, Nate. There's a few other got it, but I heard you. Uh, it's an alternator. So I have a car battery and alternator. Now, if you're curious as to why I brought them, uh, you're going to have to wait a second because I'm going to get there. Uh, and I do want to say just publicly thank you to Village Mobile here in Wanabiki because I called them and I said, I have a strange request. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing they've never gotten that one. And I said, I need a car battery and an alternator, one that I can actually pick up and touch too. And they're like, oh, so we can't strip it out of a car. Uh, so I just want to say thank you to James at Village Mobile who got me these two items today. I do have to give them back. And at some point, they'll probably end up in uh, maybe one of your cars. Uh, your guy's like, no, not in my car. Uh, I get it. I get it. But thank you to them for, uh, for getting those items. So I will get to that. But what I want to do today... Uh, it's very interesting what Jess said. This tells me that the Holy Spirit is already lining everything up. She told you to stop and to listen. And so what I'm going to do this morning is, whether you're ready for it or not, we're going to jump into the deep end of the pool right now. So I want to start by... I don't know about you, but the last three years have been kind of tough, hasn't it, in many ways? We've had COVID, we've had political upheaval, we've had all the different things that go into all those things. We, the last three years of life have been kind of difficult, haven't they? And so what I want to do is I want to pause for a moment and I want to do a, a checkup. Some of you came to church today and you're like, I came to church, I didn't come to get a checkup. Well, sometimes at church, we need a checkup, right? And so we're going to jump in the deep in the pool, and I'm going to ask 10 questions. And I don't need you to respond anyway with hands or like verbal affirmation, unless you want to. That's cool. If you want to out yourself, that's, that's cool here today. That's, that's fine. You can do that. At Northridge, it's a safe place. We love you, all right? But you don't have to. What I, all I want you to do is when I go through these 10 phrases, these 10 questions, these 10 thoughts, I want you to simply answer in your head, in your heart, in your soul with a yes or a no. Is this largely true more often than not for you these days? All right, let's go. More often than not, do you feel on a daily basis apathetic? No, I didn't ask if you feel pathetic. I said apathetic. As in, you feel like there's just no energy. Everything's kind of blah in life. And, and just, it doesn't feel like there's any energy for most things that you want to try or you feel like you need to do. Next one, more often than not, again, you're just answering yes or no for you. More often than not, do you feel like not getting out of bed? Do you feel like getting out of bed is a little bit of a task, it's a little bit of a chore, and you've, maybe you go through life and on a daily basis asking why a lot. Why should I? Are you asking why a lot? 
Are you asking yourself this question, why, and, and just wanting to stay in bed? I told you we were jumping the deep end of the pool. More often than not, do you sometimes feel like your life is on autopilot? Do you feel like you're going through the motions of everyday life, but it doesn't feel like there's any energy behind life? There's no direction. You don't feel like you're going anywhere. Next one. More often than not, do you feel like on a daily basis you've lost your sense of purpose? There seems to be no inner hope and no inner drive. More often than not, do you feel like your plan for life isn't working out anymore? You had an idea of how your life was going to go, but it doesn't seem like it's going that way, and frustration seems to be a constant companion for you. Next one. This might be a difficult one. More often than not, do you feel like you find yourself being jealous of others a lot? Comparing self. Do you find yourself looking at the news and, and comparing yourself to how everybody else is doing or worrying about how everybody else is doing or worrying about how the world is going and worldly issues and political issues? Do you find yourself focusing on everything else and not worrying about what you can and what you should do more often than not? More often than not, do you feel like everything is a chore? My kids sometimes feel that way, especially when we give them chores. <laughs> do you feel like you're doing things, but you're just doing them because you have to do them? More often than not, do you feel like you're functioning but not satisfied? If you're going to be honest, do you feel like there's more confusion on a daily basis than clarity on a daily basis? Last two. More often than not, do you feel like you need something different, something better in life, but it's missing? Like there's a void, there's, there's something missing in your daily life, and you don't know what it is, and you can't seem to find it or fill it, whatever that is. And then last one, more often than not, do you feel like you lack energy and motivation for the hard stuff in life, the hard things? Like there's a conversation that you know you need to have with somebody, but you just can't bring yourself to do it. There's a person that you need to call and seek reconciliation with, but you just can't find the energy and the motivation to do it. There's something that needs to get done. Maybe that gutter's been hanging for two and a half years off your house, and you're like, I'm going to have to get rivets, I'm going to have to redo the thing, and, and you just can't find the energy to do it. Now, aren't you guys excited for the sermon now after all of that? Woo! Talk about jumping in the deep end. Let's go to the high dive and just go, right? I mean, we don't normally start that way. I get it. Usually there's some fun stories and we're joking around and we're having some fun. But we're dumping into the deep end of the pool today. And here's the truth. If you answered yes to one or maybe two of those, my suggestion is you probably just need a good night's sleep. <laughs> probably just need a good breakfast, some eggs and bacon or something, right? I mean, that, that would be for me, or maybe for me it's cookies, right? You guys know me well. But, but maybe, you just need, maybe you just need a nap, maybe you just need a day off, and like, man, it'll solve that, because you just answered yes to one or two of those. But here's, let's get honest for a minute. Can I be honest with you? Over the last three years, I've met far more people who are dealing with most of those. 
than just one or two. That's just, just based on my experience when I'm, when I'm working with people. And if you answered yes to several or most of those, or maybe you answered yes to all of those, then, then it, it is indicating a problem. And we're going to talk about that problem. So I want to go back to these wonderful, beautiful items that we have over here, right? We have a car battery and an alternator. And the reason I brought this is, uh, uh, now, this is very simple mechanics. Some of you that are mechanics, Nate, you work on trucks. So you're going to be like, Brent, you're so dumb and far off. I, I get that, right? I'm, I'm going to so oversimplify this, he's just going to shake his head all morning. He works on trucks, so he gets this. Okay, the car battery has a very simple purpose. It stores power, it stores energy so that the vehicle can start when you want it to. That's all it does. It just holds energy so that when you push the button, when you turn the ignition, it's actually going to start. There need, you need some kind of power to be pulled from somewhere. That comes from the battery. Now, how do we get power into the battery? We get power from the engine, right? When the engine is running, the engine powers and recharges the battery. But there's a key to the whole process. Without this, the alternator, not only can you not recharge the battery in your car, so it will not be able to start later, but you also will not be able to run all the systems in your vehicle without this. Because what an alternator very simply does, do not ask me to explain how. You'll find out how unsmart I really am, seriously. Ask Nate. Wave your hand, Nate. Everybody can ask Nate how an alternator works. He'll tell you. He fixes them all the time, all right? Thank you, Nate. I don't know why I'm calling you out over and over and over again, but there you go. Welcome to your life, all right? Mechanic in the room, like, we got it. But the alternator very simply takes the mechanical energy of the engine, that the engine is running, and it's mechanical energy, but, but that mechanical ener energy cannot run your car, and it cannot charge the battery. Why? Because it's the wrong kind of power. You can't fill the battery with mechanical energy because there's no movement in the battery. And so the alternator transfers, it changes, it transforms the energy, the mechanical energy, into electrical energy, which both charges, recharges the battery, and runs all the systems in your car, like headlights and power windows and radio and all that stuff. The alternator is the key. And if the alternator is bad, if you get nothing else today, if the alternator is bad, there is no power. It, you're going to lack power. Now, most of you are sitting here maybe wondering, I'm not a car. Cool. I, I know that. <laughs> you're human beings. I get it. I am too. We're not cars. So the question is, what is this today? Because it is an alternator physically, but I want you, when I say the word alternator today, I want you to think of a different word, a word that we don't think of very often, a word uh, to describe something that is invisible to us. This represents your soul. This is your soul. Isn't it pretty? 
When I say the word alternator, we're talking about your soul. We're talking about my soul today. So the Apostle Paul actually describes what the soul is and, and why we need to focus on it. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is explaining to a bunch of followers of Christ, Christians, and he's saying, this world is going to be a bit of a problem because life is full of problems. Can anybody attest to that, by the way? Anybody, can I get a witness? This life is full of a few problems, right? So, so he says, this is going to be a problem. This life is full of sin and it's messed up and all this stuff. And so as a result of that, you need to never give up hope. And the Apostle Paul writes that, but then he goes on to say, the way that we never give up, the way that we never lose hope is by focusing on, fixing our eyes on the most important aspect of you, which is the eternal part of you. It's the part that's always going to last forever, in eternity, your soul, your alternator, the thing that gives you power. And so I want to read this, what the Apostle Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. The Apostle Paul says, that is why we never give up. Because there's all these problems, because we have hope, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits, our soul, are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. He's talking about the comparison of our problems here on earth are short-lived and small. Now, understand, if, you've got, if you're facing something major in your life, the, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he's not making light of your problems. He's saying that if you compare the problems that you have now to how long and how big eternity is, it's small in comparison. Okay? So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Anybody see troubles these days? I, I can see a few. You, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze. We focus on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. If there's any hope that I can give you today, did you hear what he just said? The things you see now, the problems that you're facing now, they will soon be gone. That's, that's a good promise. They will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see are alternators. How many of you have seen the alternator in your car? Most of you haven't. But you know it's there. Your soul is there. It's the eternal part of you. It's what makes you who you are. What we cannot see will last forever. So as you guys know, last week we started this brand new series called Cross Training. And we are talking about, we're trying to answer the question, how do we build, if we are followers of Christ, how do we build spiritual muscle? We know how to build physical muscle. You have to lift heavy things over and over again. Right? You have to tear your muscle so that the muscle rebuilds it. We'll talk about that later on in the series. But what we don't always know is how to build spiritual muscle. How do we invest? How do we drive our faith and the roots in our faith deeper than ever before? And so that's what we're answering here in this series. And last week we answered the questions, do we need spiritual muscle? 
Do we have to build up? Do we have to work on our faith? The answer was yes. We also answered why. If we do have to build spiritual muscle, then why do we have to build it? We answered that question. By the way, if you want those answers, I'm sorry I'm not going to give those answers again. You'll have to go back to last week's message and, uh, and catch up on that, all right? Because that would take me a while. We'd be here past lunch, and you guys don't want to do that, right? So look back why and yes, we do. But now I want to turn our attention for the next four weeks today and three more weeks. I want to answer the question, if we do have to build spiritual muscle, then how do we do it? How does it happen? What do we need to do? What do we need to focus on? And so that's what today is, is we're going to talk about how do we make sure that this, your soul, your alternator, is healthy? How do you make sure that this is running properly? How do you make sure that the answers to those 10 questions are no longer yes, but they're no? No, I'm not apathetic. I'm good. Yeah, no, I do want to get out of bed. This is awesome. God is good. I'm going to tackle the problems that I have head on because my alternator, my soul is good. So we're going to keep this really simple. You're going to want me to go deeper today. This is going to be, I think, one of those messages that are frustrating because you're like, oh, give me more of that. I want to know how. You'll just have to join us for the rest of this series because we can't, just can't get into all of it. So we're going to keep it high level and simple today. And what I want to do is I want to answer the question, how do we keep our soul healthy? How do we make sure our alternator is running correctly? All right? I want to give you two ways. Again, you're going to want 10. I'm going to give you two. Actually, after I give you these two, you might be like, no, I'm good with two. <laughs> I, I get it. Number one, how do we keep our soul healthy? You have to invest in your soul. If you want to help your money to work for you, money investors and money experts will tell you, invest your money. Because your money, you'll, you'll have this certain, whatever that number is of money, it doesn't matter how much you have or how much you don't have, they will tell you if you are able to invest that money, it will grow exponentially. Right? You've all heard this. The same is true in your soul. We can't expect our soul to be powered if we never invest in it. If we leave it empty. If we just let it go. And so we have to invest in our soul. Now, the question becomes, how do you invest in your soul? How many of you have read books on how to invest in your soul? I've read actually a couple. They are out there. They're harder to find because most people don't write about the soul, right? They write about how to make money. They write, they write about how to climb the corporate ladder. They write about leadership and all kinds of stuff. None of those are bad, but that's what books are written about. So how do we invest in the soul? Let me give you one word, and this is how I know the Holy Spirit was already working today because of what Jess said. Can I give you the word? It's a word that we need to hear and take deeply. That word is rest. I pause because I don't think we get it. Rest. Seriously. Stop what you're doing and rest. If there's anything in our culture 
that I think we do not get, we do not practice, and we do not understand. This is one word that I think is there. We understand recliners, we understand couches, we understand Netflix, we understand this, right? Ooh, like, dislike, ignore, secretly block them. That's not rest. I promise you it's not rest. You are not rested after you do that. You know how I know that? Because you've compared yourself to everything you just looked at. Rest, this is not the kind of rest where you sit down and watch TV. It's not that kind of rest. This is not the kind of rest where you scroll social media. Not that kind of rest. This is not the kind of rest where you even grab a book and you sit back on a recliner in the sun and read your favorite book or a new book that you didn't know was going to be your favorite. I'm not saying any of those things are horrible and sinful and you should never do those. I do all of those things. I, okay, I don't lay on in the sun and read a book because that's, I'm just sweaty. I don't know why some of you do that. That's weird to me. But I do read in a comfortable place where it's not in the sun, where I can just enjoy myself, and I don't have to try to work on the farmer's tan or whatever, right? I'm not talking about that kind of rest. I'm not talking about the kind of rest where you go on vacation, and then when you get back, you need a vacation from your vacation. We all joke about that. Why? Because it's absurd. We're like, are you kidding me? Uh, we do it too. I'm not saying you guys are in a boat that I'm not in. I do the same thing. I come back and I am exhausted. You know why? Because when we go on vacation, we get to, this is time to do stuff that we don't normally do. This is great. My wife knows this. She wants to rest on vacation. I'm like, let's do stuff. I don't have to work right now. This is great. Let's climb a mountain. Let's go do this thing. Let's go to this and eat at this restaurant that we never get to eat at. This is so cool. Did you know there's a restaurant where they throw uh, biscuits at you, rolls at you? Yeah, down south, along the coast. There's several of them, actually. You can go to a place where they throw it at you. You can go to places all over the country where they will offend you at the restaurant on purpose. How cool is that? Talk about vacation. Ha! What would you like to order? Oh, that was a terrible choice. You suck. <laughs> right? How, how great would that be? No, I'm not talking about that kind of rest. I'm talking about the kind of rest where you stop and the only thing you are doing is you are seeking your heavenly father. You are looking for him to give you the truth of your life. You're looking for him to pour and invest and dump into and, and refresh and refill your soul. You're not doing anything else other than that kind of rest. I love what Psalm 23 says, probably one of the most famous, one of the most beloved passages of Scripture in the whole Bible. I want to read the first couple of verses. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And what does it say? He refreshes my soul. Seriously, I'm just curious, and if this is not you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you, if you're going to be honest, you want to and you need to be refreshed today? How many of you would just admit that? 
Okay, there's, there's several of you in here. That's hard to admit. That's, that's why it's hard to raise your hand. And I think that's part of the problem. We think we don't need rest. We think we don't need to be refreshed. And God says, I want to replenish, refresh, refill, recharge everything in your life, your engine, your battery. But it starts with your soul. We have to invest in the soul. Now, how are some other things that we do this? Obviously, you guys are going to get this. These are hints at where we're going in the rest of this series. What's one thing that you need to do while you're resting to invest in your soul? Pray. And no, I don't mean, okay, Pastor Ben told me to rest, so I'm going to sit here. What do I do? How do I pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord's Prayer is great. I have nothing, no, nothing wrong with it. Jesus gave it to us. But let me just say, if you rattle off a ritual prayer and you don't think about what you're saying and what you're actually asking, make sure you pause, stop, and think about what you're actually asking. Here, you know what I, what I think? If people really looked at the words of the Lord's Prayer, I'm guessing that way more people would start praying it And I think there are some people that are praying it that would stop. Because I'm not sure that people know what they're actually asking God to do in their life when you say the Lord's Prayer. I would encourage you, read the Lord's Prayer and just think about what it's actually saying that you're asking God to do. It's difficult. So prayer is one of those spiritual rest time things, okay? And we're going to talk about that a little bit more deeply in this series. Uh, Another one is Scripture, right? Scripture is a way to invest into your soul. A lot of you don't believe me. You're like, that's just a book. You're right, it is a book. But God says it's more than a book. This is not, these are not my words. These are God's words, God says that this is alive and breathing, that it is actually alive and moving, that it will actually get into your skin and under your skin and in your soul. It will invade your space, which is, I think, again, I say this all the time, why a lot of people avoid this, because it forces you to face all your stuff, because it digs in, and it's uncomfortable. I love what Psalm 19.7 says. It says, the instructions or the words of the Lord are perfect, reviving, did you catch that word? Reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. You know what this book does? You know what scripture does? You know what God's word does? God's word reminds you who you are and whose you are. This world is trying to teach us that our identity is found in a hundred different things. Can I tell you where your identity is actually found? You're an alternator. No, but seriously, your identity is your soul. It's the one and only thing that makes you, you. Yeah, your fingerprints are unique. You've heard that, right? Cool. It's true, absolutely. 
The only one that will ever exist, has ever existed, and will ever exist. Fingerprints, absolutely. I'm just saying that your body will not go with you into eternity. Your soul is the only thing that goes. In fact, the Bible's very clear. When you get to eternity, when you get to heaven, you get a new body. Some of you have done a lot of work on your body here. You're like, ah, I don't know. Some of you are like, yes! Praise God for that. Cool? How, wherever you're at, I'm just telling you the truth, you're going to get a new body. Because that's what Scripture says. The only thing that's going to go with you, the only thing that lasts for eternity, hear me, is your soul. And so we've got to cross-train. We've got to spiritually build this up because it's the only thing that lasts forever. We need to be reminded who we are and whose we are. All right. I could spend a long time on number one, but we've got to get to number two. All right? Number two, if we're going to take care of our soul, what do we need to do? We need to protect it from danger. So the first one is all about what we're putting into our soul. The second one is all about what we're making sure to keep out of our soul. It's really simple. Input, output. I told you it was really simple today. You're like, wow, pastor, you're mind-blowing. No, I'm not. It is really this simple. It's just hard to do. Input, output. And so we've got to protect our soul from the danger, from the things outside. Let's, let me go back to Psalm 23. You remember Psalm 23, those first couple of verses? Everybody's like, oh, Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Ah. He leads me beside quiet waters. Ah. Wonderful. He restores, he refreshes my soul. Mm, so wonderful. And then we get to verse 4. And verse 4 says this. This is the very next verse. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, in the King James Version, we usually hear it, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You've heard that version? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What is this saying? What this is saying is God doesn't only want to refresh your soul, He also wants to protect your soul. He wants, to, he wants to protect it from danger, from sin, from evil. The, the, the shepherd's staff had basically a lot of reasons uh, for it, but two main functions. One, the shepherd would use the staff to guide and direct the sheep to food and water, to sustain them. God wants to sustain you. Absolutely. But then there's a second reason why the shepherd had a staff. Shepherd also had a staff in order to fight off danger to the sheep. He used that to protect the sheep from evil, from danger. And so we need to understand that when we allow Jesus to be the center, to control and have complete control of this, of our soul, when we allow Jesus to be the center of our life and take over this, then what that does is God wants to come in and he wants to replenish and refresh and rejuvenate and recharge our soul so that you have unbelievable power, but he also wants to protect you from danger. It's not that you're going to have no troubles in life. It means that the evil and the things that we invite into our soul, into our life, God wants to protect you from that. 
And sometimes this looks like, evil looks like material possessions. Sometimes it's something that's dragging you away from God, that's investing into your soul in a bad way. Sometimes it's a habit that you have that you need to get rid of. Sometimes it's a habit that you don't have that you need to start. Because lacking that habit is dangerous to your soul. Sometimes it's a person in your life. Think about it. If there's a person in your life that's constantly filling your soul with negativity, let me just, (laughs) let's, let's have some fun. How many of you know a negative person in your life? Anybody in here have a negative person in your life? Some of you are looking at people. Stop it. Don't do it. <laughs> hey, can I just say this? <laughs> You're not going to like this. If you were the one trying to look at the other person, you might be the negative one. <laughs> it's possible that one of the best things you can do for your soul is to diminish and to limit a certain person in your life that is dragging you down and dragging you away from God on a consistent basis. Some of you already know. You need to have a conversation with somebody. Or you just need to take some practical steps to make sure that there's a limiting factor there. I love what Proverbs 16, 24 says. It says, kind words are like honey. Sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. What that means is the reverse is also true that unkind, untrue, hateful words are poison to the soul and bad for the body and bad for life. And if you're allowing that person to invest into your soul, then it's drowning out, it's crowding out, it's pushing out all the good stuff that God wants to do. So, a few weeks ago, uh, my family had just finished a soccer game. I think it was Tanner's soccer game, my, my youngest, my eight-year-old. And we were walking back from the soccer field to our van. And when we got close to the van, within a few feet of the van, we all smelled it. Something smelled like it was burning. And I was like, what is that? And Laura's like, oh, do you smell that? I'm like, well, not as fast as you. Let me just tell you that Laura's nose, if something happens across Wanakee and it has a smell to it, she's going to know. I promise you that. I love you, dear. It's true. So she smelled it before I did. She called it up and I'm like, oh, yeah, I do smell that. And so then I'm like, okay, what are, you know, we're going to, and so we go up and clearly something, it, there wasn't fire, there wasn't smoke, but clearly something had been burning up when the engine had been running. Now it's been sitting there for an hour, so clearly it, whatever it is is not good because it still smelled. And so I was like, well, I don't, uh, I've been accused of a lot of things. One of the things I've been accused of is being frugal, okay? Some of you would call it cheap. It's frugal. It's frugal, okay? And so I did not want to have to tow our van to, you know, Village Mobile, which is where you know, we do these kinds of things. And so, um, so anyway, so I was like, I, I want to get the van started. So I jumped in the van and I tried to start it. And you guys understand, like, nothing happened. Right? Nothing happened. Nothing. In fact, I don't even think that happened. It was just like, 
It was as if I wasn't there. I was like, fantastic. And so we had actually come uh, with two vehicles from two different places to the soccer game. You understand that as well, I'm sure. And so I got my other vehicle and I drove it around, parked it next to the van, got out the jumper cables, you know, hooked it up, let it run for a couple of minutes, and then I hit the push button on the van. It starts up. I'm like, okay, good. And I told, I told the family, I was like, okay, we're going to drive right to Village Mobile. I know it's Friday. We're not going to have it for the whole weekend, and I'll call them on Monday, right? And so we, we, we start, you know, I start pulling back and out, and as soon as I put it into reverse, as soon as I start trying to move the van, I lose all power. Now, the engine's still running, so I can still drive, but the lights are going down, the power steering's gone, and so I'm going like this. I, I, it was like the hardest thing, because there was... I've had it where there's like the power steering starting to go out, so it's like it's harder. No, 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 no. This was like I'm putting all my all my effort into it, right? And so I'm trying to drive, and 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 we finally we do make it to Village Mobile. My family is falling behind me in the other vehicle, and I back it in, and just as I back it in, everything in the van just goes off. It, lights come up. And it says, check your batteries now, all the stuff that I've never seen before. In fact, the reason I did this, I took a picture, show, show them the picture. I took this picture, those were just two of the lights that came up. Uh, I've seen the battery light before, I haven't seen that other one before, steering wheel exclamation point. <laughs> Yay, this is awesome. So glad we get that warning indicator on our dashboard. I don't know about you, but don't you just love warning indicators on your dashboard? Man, makes my day. And it just, it went on, and then the engine shut down, and I was like, I was parked a little bit too far back, and they're like, Dad, you're off the, the parking lot. Why don't you pull it forward? How dumb are you? And I'm like, the van's not going to move anymore. I'm dropping the keys. We're going home. I am done. Right? But we all know the warning lights, the indicator lights, tells us what? It tells us that something is what? Something's wrong. Do you remember how we started? Do you remember how we started? Let's put the 10 phrases, the 10 questions up there again. Can I just be honest with you? This is your warning lights. These are your indicators. It's telling you there's something wrong. It's telling you your soul is not right. It's telling you something in life has happened to you and it's not a good thing and it's sucking your soul dry. It's giving you indicators. It's warning you. It's saying, stop. You need to do something about this because you know what happens if you keep going without this? Not only are you not going to be able to recharge any batteries in your life, you're not going to have power to start back up, but eventually there's a breakdown in your future. And, so, and if you think that I'm not susceptible to this because I'm a pastor, can I tell you, I could stand up here and name many, 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 many names of pastors who I am close friends with who had a major breakdown because they didn't listen to these things either. Pastors are just susceptible to this as anybody else. These are indicators. They're saying your soul is not healthy. Your alternator's not right. You're not getting power. And we've got to do something about it. 
So what happens is a lot of people in life, they, charge a, they try to recharge their battery by getting more sleep or getting a good breakfast or taking a nap or reading a good self-help book. You are strong. You are powerful. You can do it. And you know what that book does? It slaps the plastic smile on and makes you be like, ooh, I can do this. And then you read the book and then you do it for a couple weeks. And then you know what happens? Your battery depletes and then in, in two or three or four weeks or a few months down the road, you all of a sudden wake up and you're like, I'm, just, I'm back to where I was before, just a few months ago, just a couple weeks ago before I read that, that, book, that, that book that said, I am worth it. You get yours. You do that. And we wonder why our battery's depleted, and the reason is because you didn't actually invest in what really gives you power, which is your soul. And God is saying to you and saying to me, I want you to stop dragging your soul through the mud. Because it's sucking the life out of you. It's sucking your power out of you. You're, you're so just drained and your battery can't recharge because the alternator is bad and you need this to power this and this to start the engine so that you can actually operate in life. And we don't want, God does not want you to be dragging through the mud. He doesn't want you to get down and stuck in the family division and fights that are going on about this, that, and the other thing, and who you voted for, and all that stuff. He doesn't want that. He wants your soul to be refreshed and replenished and renewed and rejuvenated and filled up. Trying to recharge your battery by running faster and running harder and working more hours and making more money or making less hours so that you can be home more with your family and doing this. All of that is surface level stuff and you're not going to be able to recharge the battery. You need to invest in the thing that changes everything and that is your soul. Soul problems require soul solutions. Soul problems require soul solutions. And so the question for you today is very simply this. Will you allow God to invest in your soul? Will you allow God to refresh, to renew, to change who you are. Because the soul is the only thing you're taking with you when you leave this earth. It's the only thing you get to take. As much as we like to take all this other stuff that we work on, that we chase, you're not going to get to. The only thing you take is your soul. That's what moves into eternity. That's what's going to last forever. So how are you investing in your soul. What are you putting in there? And what are you keeping out of it? Allow God to invest. Stop. Rest. Invest. Allow God to fill you. Let's pray. God, I don't know who in here has warning lights going off 
But my, ga- my guess is, God, that, that there are quite a few, maybe even a high percentage of people in here, that they answered yes. If they were being honest, they answered yes to quite a few of those. And it, and it demonstrates, it indicates that, that their soul is starving. That their soul is, is not being renewed daily. That they haven't allowed you to invest into them. And so, God, I want to just pray a very simple prayer today. That for every single person in this room, every person who's listening online, watching online, that you would help whoever it is, if they know, if they're going to be honest and they say, that warning indicator, those lights are going off all over the place in my life. I pray that they would simply realize that the, the solution is simple. It may be difficult to try to do, but it's simple. They simply need to stop and they need to rest and they need to allow you to fill their soul. Refresh them. Renew them. God, our soul powers everything. May we turn that soul, that very essence of who we are, over to you so that you can do what only you can do to fill the God-shaped hole in our life. Without it, there's always going to be a hole there. Help us to fill that God-shaped hole with you. We pray this, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.